You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Dr. Tanya Kotler is a clinical psychologist for both adults and children and focuses her work primarily on parents getting back on track. I I don't know how it happened, but Tanya and I stumbled on a conversation um, on the phone one day and we literally were high-fiving. And I, I had to have her on the podcast because I love her approach. And she breaks it down in terms of the emotional well-being of sleep training for both parent and child. And I think this is a very refreshing take and something I think many of you will benefit from listening. If you are thinking about doing any sleep training or have done sleep training in the past, you're going to love it. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Amanda. Okay, I have to ask, you are a doctor. Do you like Dr. Is it Kotler? Is that how I say your last name? That is how you say it, but you could totally just call me Tanya. Let's let's go. Let's do it that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you work hard for that that DR. I mean, I think it's I always like to ask. My friend has her doctor in education and she's like, "It's okay that you call me doctor." <laughs> I think it depends on the role and where you are, but for the sake of this, we're having a chat. It will put a bit of a wall between yeah. us if you keep saying doctor, I think. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Okay, sounds good. So I'm I'm super excited to to talk with you um, in that we record it this time because the first time uh, we have a mutual friend who kind of connected us and then we got on the phone and it, we were like, yes, yes, woo. And so I, I think we're both really excited to talk about sleep um, and why it matters to both parent and child and that it doesn't, it's not always this horrendous thing. And I feel like that we're we're very much aligned on that. And, and part of what I do and I, I really want to do is I want to empower my listeners with facts. So I'm I'm pretty strong on the research side. And I always tell people you can always contact me about that. I have a lot of things that I can share with you. Um, but what I love about you and where you're coming from, you're coming um, from, you know, the mental health aspect of this, which is always a huge concern with my clients. Um, you are a adult and ch- clinical, adult and child clinical psychologist. Oh my God, I can't talk. Psychologist. You walk um, every day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, why don't you, why don't I pause all my talking and you tell us a little bit about what you do? Okay. Um, I think one of the reasons why what I do is so relevant to this talk, and I should already put uh, parentheses around it, I don't talk publicly or openly a lot about sleep training. And it was only because I adored you that I sort of thought, okay, I'm going to make myself super vulnerable and talk about this and know that I might get a lot of hate mail, but it's actually really important that I do it. 
Um, and the reason why that is, is because, yes, so I'm an adult and child psychologist, meaning that my training and experience is working with both adults and kids. And without going into it too much over time, I kind of created a hybrid where I really focus primarily on the zero to five years, like early childhood phase um, and maternal mental health. But I am trained to work with kids alone, with parents and kids, um, with parents alone or any combo of that. And so the, the kind of that. framework I'm entering all of this is from everything being good for parent or good for mom and good for child. And I think most of the time when yes. people are approaching anything, but especially like these mommy camp stuff, they approach mm-hmm. it very either infant, infantocentric, like baby centric, baby focused. It's not good for baby or even it is good for baby. So the sleep training Mm -hmm. debate to me is always about what's good for baby. The angles you hear is it's not good for baby's attachment, attachment, attachment about baby, or you hear it's good Mm -hmm. for baby, for baby's independence, for baby's self-regulation. And I kind of want to enter in between those two and say, well, actually that that's not the conversation we should be having because Mm -hmm. that's, that's not what it's about. It's not enough. Baby doesn't exist in a vacuum. Is it good for the dyad? Mm-hmm. Is it good for the mother or parent mm-hmm. and baby is a question you should be asking, which kind of shifts yeah. everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, this is exactly, I mean, this is why we were fist pumping on our call. <laughs> it's exactly what I think. <laughs> it's like, um, I I take it, you know, you're talking about mother and child. I, I had a I don't know why this sticks out in my mind, but I went back to work pretty early with my first at four months. And honestly, the whole first year of work, I worked at an incredibly supportive workplace. It was an amazing experience. I regret nothing. But I did have outsiders say things to me all the time, like, don't you miss your child? Is it, you know, aren't you sad? Is she okay? And then my friend said to me this like amazing thing, and it's always stuck in my brain, that we need to stop thinking about what's good for the child, the child, the child, what's good for your family? And we've stopped thinking about the family as a unit. And it's just a light bulb went off. Like, this is good for my family because I like working. Uh, We can afford to pay my mortgage. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm not stressed about that. (laughs) And that's where we kind of get into trouble with everything, right? Because a lot of the time research that people will look at, will look at hunter gatherer societies and say how they are the best parents, so to speak. Um, the, because children have attachment needs that are mm-hmm. intrinsic. Mm-hmm. So do we people, human beings have attachment needs and the primary attachment need is for connection and how that is first done is through proximity. So people who are taking that and saying, you need to be close to your child are taking something accurate, but it's getting shifted out of yeah. what it means a little bit. It's kind of sticking to only one piece of the puzzle. I just want so, to pause yeah, you for one second, super- Tanya, because there was a little bit of a break in what you said. And I want to make sure that that word was clear because I think it's important. What you said is there needs to be proximity. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That word got proximity. cut off. So go ahead. <laughs> I said there, yeah, exactly. Proximity for connection. And and that is true. And babies are hardwired to cry, to to make sounds, to coo, to smile in order for us 
to approach them, to connect to them. And we are hardwired to actually Mm -hmm. respond to that. And so that is true. And what attachment really is, isn't only that proximity though, and this is where we get a little bit in trouble, it's attunement. It's tuning into the child needs and what does the child need? What is, what are his or her feelings, desires? What is he or she thinking? All of that, but also tuning in to Mm -hmm. the self. Um, what is going on with me? And so in hunter-gatherer societies where there's multiple people Mm -hmm. that are responding to the attachment needs of the child, there's a village, literally, that are all responding, it actually functions not to sleep train, so to speak, but it functions not to do a lot of things because this child is being responded to and having his or her attachment needs met by many people. And so it's easier to make it quite simpler on mom in that sense, because she isn't being totally burdened by mm-hmm. and depleted by mm-hmm. multiple needs. In our society, a mother is, is today probably the primary yeah. mental load holder. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, we had crazy hair day tomorrow and did they return the library book and are their socks mm-hmm. too small? And they're also the primary emotional holder, usually for their partner as well. Um, they're hardwired to be that. So if they have two children and a partner, they usually yeah. have three children. Um, and I'm not, you know, dad shaming in this. I'm, I'm talking about whoever holds the maternal role yeah. or the maternal function, um, whoever the partner is. I'm talking about, I'm not talking gender here. Um, so then there's that role. And then there's the third kind of issue that arises, which is moms are expected to now contribute economically in the workforce. And so if all of that is happening together and mom is expected to do all of that, then we're in a different model here. She's going to be totally depleted. So when we talk about sleep training, how is she supposed yeah. to function? She's not going to be able to function. She doesn't have a village of people who are going to sleep with her baby overnight so that she can go tomorrow and you know yeah. do what she needs to do. Yeah. She needs to be with baby. And so if she may need to respond to baby in a certain way that may require, and I, I don't love the word training yeah. and we could talk yeah, about yeah. that if want to, but it may require some sleep nurturing, yeah. um, then if she does that, she may be more able to show up for yes. her child yes. throughout the day. If she doesn't, then the child is going to see a very depleted very detached, Mm -hmm. potentially depressed mother. And there's a Mm -hmm. ton of research Mm -hmm. on that. And the child's capacity to pick up on the mother's emotion in her face. Well, if the mother is flat-faced all day long, unable to respond Mm -hmm. to the baby's cues all day long, we're hitting a more horrendous situation. So if the mother says, I need sleep, I I can't function. I can't think of what my child is going through. I can't be attuned to my child because I'm too tired. Well, you might have to help mom get some sleep. And that isn't necessarily, unfortunately, looking like someone else stepping in all the time. And so that's what's getting unfair. We're saying you can't sleep train and depend on your village. But what if mom doesn't have a village? That's not the society we're living in. I wish it were. If we had a communal ethic where there were lots more money being put into social programming and less of a a focus on independence and economic independence, I don't know that I'd be having a conversation where I support support sleep. But that's totally. not exactly. the society uh, that we're I in right now. I couldn't – oh, my God. I'm getting chills in some of the things that you're saying. Um, I mean, that's it, right? It comes down to if we lived in I, – I tell, I tell people this literally all the time. I say we don't live in tribes anymore. 
we can't hand off the baby to one person while we sleep during the day because the baby was up all night. Is it natural and normal for your child to do those things? 100% it is. Is it like, it, it all makes sense. But if your child is up every hour on the hour, and, and I always like to stop and, and put out a big disclaimer here too, because let's be clear, there are lots of mothers right now who are up every hour on the hour with their child and they're functioning and they like it and they're happy. And no one should be telling them to sleep train their child either. You know, it's like, well, are you are you loving your life? Great. But when you were talking about the flat face, depleted mom, like that is so, you know, those are my clients, right? Who like it's um it's tough stuff. And how do you go back to your family and provide emotionally? You know, you just can't. And I love what you said who are we talking to? So there's two points Mm -hmm. that I think are so important. Who are we talking to? So what do you need? Every mother or every Mm -hmm. parent and child, what is that dyad needing? I work um, as a mother of three myself and as a psychologist who's been working with moms going on 15 years, I definitely should give back money. I think I said (laughs) this to you to every mom who saw me before I became a mother. (laughs) And if any of them are listening, you can remember. But yeah, they yeah. right. What, what are they needing? Right. What are so the mom co sleeping and has been co sleeping and nurses through the night and barely yeah. gets a you know woken up at all. And even the mother who I see has a family bed. There is so much support for her if that is a model she wants to work within. Yep. That is yep. a model we're going to figure out how to work within one thousand percent. But for the mother who comes to me and says, "I need permission." to be able to mm-hmm. help my child sleep because I can't function because I'm a single mother, because my mm-hmm. family lives across the world, because I don't have family, because my partner works shift work and I have three children because because mm-hmm. that mother deserves to also be able to do what she needs. And so so that's the, the first thing that I loved what you said. The mm-hmm. second is, what are we talking about when we're saying sleep training? And I think yeah. what's happened is we say the yeah. word and people define it how they defined it in their mind and many, many nuances to that word. So, you know, do I mean what I, I have heard perspectives on training training that I have heard that are very extreme that I cannot as a psychologist entirely support because yes, babies do need connection. They need, do need to know that they can trust you. Um, and so there's probably mm-hmm. contact that needs to be made yep. as in some way, but we have to work within that. So no. yes, are we talking about crying all night long and you never, and you don't go in? Maybe that might, yeah. that might be a model, but that, that model can be, is a little yeah. harder one. But then what are we talking about in terms of all the other pieces, right? Teaching a child yeah. the difference between night, day and night. Not every kid comes to the world knowing yeah. that. Well, that's a lot of stuff we have to help our kid yeah. do, and we should teach circadian rhythms. How are they going to do it? Yeah. Bedtime routines. Some families don't understand the importance of that, of calming the entire system down, of connecting before bed. Um, if you have a child who has been overstimulated yeah. all day, and then <laughs> totally. you try to put them to bed, well, the cortisol is like a Red Bull. How are you going to get that kid to bed? So teaching, right? Teaching the importance of bedtime routine. That's, that's all part of sleep training. So a lot of the Mm -hmm. time when we hear no sleep training, no sleep training, what are you talking about? No, what? No bedtime routine. 
because that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid who wakes up, like you said, every hour. Yeah, exactly. There's so many versions of how you're going to support that child. How old is that <laughs> child? Um, because <laughs> if that child is three or four, yeah. like mine, who woke up every hour last night, I didn't just lose her. Um, I'm very tired by the way today because of it, but yeah. I did have to go in and remind her that I know she was feeling yes. really big feelings and that I want us to deal with yeah. them more tomorrow and remind her how we cope with those big feelings, but that it was nice. Yeah. And I kept my light off because if she saw my face, it would overstimulate her and it wasn't time for play. Yeah. And I just, most of the time didn't speak at all and just shushed mm-hmm. her a little and touched her back. And that is, and someone could say, training. Um, and I didn't exactly. go in and lie with her the whole night because if I did tomorrow, she'd want me to lie with her. And so there, there are models and it's uh, not yes. a one size yeah, fits yeah, all. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think people's biggest fear when they call me or they start this process is that I'm going to tell them to like shut the door and not go back in the morning. And it's like, well, first of all, why would you need me <laughs> to tell you that just if if you want to do that, that's uh, probably a lot easier in some ways than what I'm going to tell you to do. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I hate, you know, I always say like it, it does work. Of course it yes. works because yes. the child has yeah. stopped. And it might be what that parent needs because totally. they need it now. Um, and then, okay, yeah. you know, then we, and, and on it, 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 I see that like people will be like, but sometimes I think that I just, I can't go in there or I can't do the thing. And I'm like, well, maybe you need to think about that too, because I like a, a big part of my work too, is reminding parents about their, mm-hmm. I call it, it's kind of woo woo. You probably have a better, uh, <laughs> language around this that I might steal from you today, Tanya, but I, Um, but I always call it like, it's like good or bad energy. Right. So like, um, I always say, I know within 30 seconds how the night's going to go in an in-home. I go in, I feel the vibe, Mm -hmm. I feel the energy from the parents and I can tell you probably to the minute how long that child is going to cry. And it's about the feelings that the parents are putting out that I feel. Okay. So like me, a stranger that your child is definitely feeling, I don't know what to, that's like, I can't go into my resource book and be like, here's the study on, on your feelings and how your child also feels them. But I know. You're jumping into something so important, Mm -hmm. Amanda, because you're talking about the whole um, consciousness of, of parents and our need to you know, if we could all do mm-hmm. this and we were all mm-hmm. able to do this right away, we may not need sleep training. I'll be honest with you. And people who come into my practice and we do this work, it's funny, after I yeah. mentioned my daughter, I wanted to put parentheses and say, she doesn't do that every night and I have done my work. Yeah. Um, but, right, it's it, it takes work. Our children show up and they mm-hmm. make us show up and they show us things about ourselves. And for some kids, they show it to us at night, you know, acting out during the day and tantrums. Uh, sleep wakings are the same thing as a day tantrum. And in both case, and really they are, and the child who does more night wakings is often, for whatever reason, more comfortable existing in vulnerability at night than in the day. And in both cases, they're telling us of needs, needs that they need responding to. But what that does to the mother or the father or the parent, what it provokes in them, what it triggers, um, that kind of feeling it sends down their spine has to do with themselves and who they are and what maybe their attachments were 
and what shrill cries or feelings of helplessness or Mm -hmm. anger that come up when somebody is crying or screaming, that has to do with them. And often that work, I mean, not the work I do in my office, that work of understanding who responded how when you cried, who responded how when you were helpless. So now that your baby is, what is that doing to you? I mean, that is the work. So we're talking about existing in this place where we all want to be conscious parents, raising empathic, kind, centered, authentic children. And yet, and we want to see our children for who they are. And yet we are, many of us are talking about that, preaching that, surrounded by that now with amazing minds like Dr. Shafali or Gabor Mate. But we need yep. to think about yep. what, who are they before they've, they've been awakened? Um, and what if they are in that phase yet to be awakened? Well, that work mm-hmm. that they're doing that I hope they can do with their therapist or with somebody that's going mm-hmm. to help them, if they're really tired and just going to be blunt, that work's going to be really hard. Yes. So sometimes the parent mm-hmm. is actually sleep training before they hit that moment of consciousness and being able to look at this stuff. And then I often see them as almost stepwise fashion. They do this and then they look back and they say, Maybe this child actually, if I had realized what the crimes were doing to me, maybe I would have been able to do it in a different way, but I shouldn't feel shame about that. This is where I am now. This is what I need. I love this. I I just love it. And you're giving me so much good vocabulary around that. I mean, this is, this is where I feel like I should, um, you know, not everyone is, is in that spot where they hear the crying and they're broken by it, but there are a a lot of clients who are, um, or people who, you know, start the process and they can't follow through. And I'm like, you know, I get it. Let's just stop. You like, don't do this. (laughs) Then if that is your real body, if you're having a a true visceral reaction, then there's other stuff that you need to do first before you even think of this. Um, And maybe it's like, you just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and that's oh like no, that's not really a, I feel like there's a, an internet connection. Yeah. So sorry, yeah. sorry listeners. Uh, it's it's always fun with technology. Um, no, I I I just feel like we need to. It, there's always a step two, right? Like mm-hmm. I say, like I'm step one, and then step two. I have a good idea of what I think is probably going on, but you need to go see Tanya. <laughs> Maybe you don't, <laughs> but, and, and also, or maybe you don't, right. And also I want to give space for this whole other returning back, maybe closing it with, there is that person who's either going to say, this is never for me. And I just feel good with the way I'm doing it. And actually I don't need to sleep train at all. But then there's also the parent who goes, I desperately yeah. need to sleep train, but I can't. Um, it's just something I viscerally cannot do. It's, and that is, I do believe for many, responding to the intrinsic attachment need, which like I yep. said, ideally in a different society, I think, yes, we wouldn't have to sleep train our children. And so that parent is mm-hmm. more attuned to or connected to that. I want to respond to my child's every attachment need. Mm-hmm. That is my role. And I am going to figure out how yep. to take care of me or I'm putting myself on hold. And then that person's going to need yeah. another form of support while they do that. So yes, that might be therapy support while they talk out how tired they are. That might be uh, a 
doula coming into the home. Yeah. And so, yes, if you fit in that category and you're saying this isn't yeah. for me, I'm and also so it, not functioning. I just want to, like, what? you talked yes, about attachment and attunement. And so I'm really clear. Attachment, like, if I were to break it down, what is the, like, difference? Is there an easy way to answer that? I would buy it <laughs> as easily as I can because it's I'd love to get a teacher. I would totally do it. Would um, <laughs> you? Maybe I should get a side hustle. It is not. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about it after. It is not. So what it isn't, I almost find it easier to to define it with what it isn't to myth bust. It isn't necessarily defined by. Mm-hmm co-sleeping or baby wearing or um, breastfeeding. Uh Those are behaviors. Um, It's not what necessarily builds a secure attachment. They may. um, And so, you know, by um, no means am I saying those things are problematic. They're wonderful and beautiful if they work for you. But what attachment is, (laughs) is music in many ways. And that might sound funny, but attachment is music. It's in, I told you I was woo-woo. It's about a mother and child or father and child tuning in to one another. And it is a constant interchange, an ebb and flow of responding non-verbally and verbally to facial expression, to behavior, to tone of voice, and so on and so on as one grows. And it is a moment, moment, movement, dance, music between two people. It's a relationship, really. That is full of ruptures. It's full of mistakes and repairs and mistakes and repairs and ebbs and flow. And the research, and I just want to like almost let listeners take if nothing else home than this. The research talked for a long time about the primary role or the primary mm-hmm. thing that assisted building a secure attachment is sensitive responding. So meaning mother to child or parent to child, responding to the attachment needs of the child. And the attachment needs are things like, and attachment behaviors are things like the cry of the child. And that's where some stuff gets taken um, and that the proximity is important so that the child can explore. And, And those are all accurate and there are a ton of research to support it. But what we are seeing and in recent research and an amazing research by Woodhouse show that it's it's almost responding 50% of the time, that there could be ruptures, that ruptures are part of it because it's music, yeah. it's ebb and flow, it's not constant. It's not yeah. 100%. Yeah. With attunement, <laughs> part of attunement is Well, uh, you and I, you know, when we had our conversation on the phone, when you it's said that, really it's patient. like, what a relief because how many mistakes are we going to make? And you also said something that was like, if we need to get, it 50% right. Let's say that we do decide at the night, these are the moments where I can't respond to you right now, but darn it, I'm going to make up for it during the day. And I felt like, wow, that's a really great way to look at it. And that, you know, I think it's part of it is also that you, you, in the repair, I love to highlight the repair. 
your child's a person. Your child is it mm-hmm. understands and like we said, is picking up on facial expression, nonverbal behavior, and the woe face as you know, as it's been called, which is like the awe mm-hmm. face when they are in distress. And so yeah. having that face also in describing what happened, saying, I'm sorry about last night, bud. Um, that that was hard. That was hard for you. That was hard for me. Mama was tired. I I I couldn't yeah. anymore, sweetie. So so this is what I had to do. Yeah. Or or talking to the child beforehand. Hey, sweetie, tonight yeah. I'm gonna come in every five yeah. minutes. And, <laughs> People are writing notes. This is it. This is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> that I love you. But then I'm gonna go or whatever the plan you end up coming up with. I don't want to create the sleep yeah. training plan right now. But right. Yeah. yeah. That you're, you're repairing your ruptures right there. I you're tell saying, parents to do that all the time. I tell parents to talk Sorry, to their buddy. babies like oh, they're real people repair. and tell them I, what I, they're going to do and, and what to expect that night. And that if they need them, that you're coming back. And just keep telling them that and then come back. And the more they tr- see that you come back, the easier this is going to be. So you've got it. So you've got it. So why the 50% research has said it? is because mm-hmm. a child builds over a collection of the moments. It's like they take the whole mm-hmm. song, not the moment by moment of the, I'm not good at music language, so I'm going to stop with the metaphor, but they take the <laughs> moment, right? Um, and they make the collective song out of it. And the collective song tells them, I can trust her or I can trust him. Yeah. That's where they come up from it. So that's that 50%. I, I, I came from, I made a, I made a general impression of you now. Um, and my general impression was made from the whole day, from the whole night, not just from one moment. Yep. A hundred percent. Well, as I always say, I like to keep this podcast to the length of a crap nap. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to dangerously good nap uh, levels here. So, how can people find you? And are you taking clients? <laughs> so Not for question, me. But that question is <laughs> right now. Like a breath and a sigh. Um, <laughs> I'm always attempting to to help someone find the support they need. So if I'm full, um, I have many amazing people I refer to. I'm always taking a few, um, depending on need and timeline. So yes, in brief, we, we can connect and I can help you. Um, and my best way to reach me is Tanya Cutler, phd.com is my website. You can find me there or you can find me on Instagram, Dr. Cutler. I think I'm on Facebook, but I have no idea how to find me. Um, I just <laughs> shoot things over. Um, and that's it. Awesome. Well, I know, I feel like if I had listened to this five years ago, I would have called you. So hopefully um, people are hearing this and know that there are options that they're feeling kind of icky in life or maybe have some questions in general, how to, how to get some good help. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, honestly. And I'm so lucky to have someone like you supporting parents and their babies in sleep. Oh, thank you. That was very nice. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Slumber Party. If you're ready to help your little one get the sleep that they need and get your nights back while you're at it, make sure to check out Amanda's signature DIY sleep training courses or work with her directly. For more details, head over to babiesbestsleep.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe, like, and review. Happy sleeping, everyone.